Please open with me to John chapter 14. Uh, we are three weeks away from finishing the book of John. That's not actually true. After today, we're two weeks away from finishing the book of John. I might go home and cry afterwards and like, you know, when you're like, not like tears of sadness, but tears of joy, like finally we're done. Um, I could file those stack of books on my office to, into the John bookshelf. So anyways, as we go into this, if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. One thing I, I, I forgot to mention is we, we have somebody in our congregation who, uh, it, it's, a, it's a little hard to explain, but they feel Wi-Fi. Does that make sense? They feel the waves of Wi-Fi. They feel the waves of, of radio waves. They feel our wireless waves. They feel the waves of our phones. And it's actually a medical condition that's extremely rare, and they feel this. And so well, I just said, hey, would, would you mind if I just told people they could throw their, uh, tell the people about this, and they could put their phones on airplane mode, and uh, it would really, would that help you out? And she just said, oh, that would be amazing. So if there's any of you who can, if you, if you can't do it, we understand you're waiting for a text to know that you're, uh, friend made it out of Florida or something like that. We understand. But if, if you can, you could just put your phone on airplane mode, and that would really help somebody out in our congregation. And uh, we, inf- we even unplug the Wi-Fi when, uh, when they come here. Just that way, it doesn't hurt anybody. Also, you'll have the added benefit of not being distracted, and you'll get to listen to me more. I mean, it's just benefits all around, right? Yay! <laughs> uh, I feel like that was a sarcastic yay, Elmo. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm just just messing around with you. I want to begin this morning in John chapter 15 with an analogy I used about five years ago, and I figured, hey, it's been five years, I could use it again. Some of you know where I'm going with this already, and some of you have no idea. This is a lamp. Now, it's obvious that this is a lamp that's from my house for a couple reasons. One, if you look real closely, you can see artwork, because my children, when they were three, figured out if on the inside, it'll show on the outside. And another thing just goes to show you, you can't have nice stuff until your kids get older, right? <laughs> we got married, we had all this new stuff, and then we got kids and they ruined it all. So um, anyways, we, this is a lamp. Obviously, some of you know about a lamp. There's, there's, there's two different items that we have up here, a lamp and my cell phone. There we go. In order for my cell phone to work, it needs to be plugged in. Now it's got battery life, it could charge and all that stuff. Let me talk about my cell phone for a minute. My cell phone uh, is awesome. I can take high-resolution photos on it. I can text people. I can communicate with people. I could order coffee on it and pay for it. In fact, I could reload my Starbucks card right from my cell phone. It's really cool. I can send emails. I could talk to people. I even have a walkie-talkie app with my wife, and we're just like, hey, what are you doing? You know, there's so many cool things that you could do with your cell phone. I tune my daughter's ukulele with this. I have no ear for music whatsoever. And that's why I use this to tune my daughter's ukulele. And the thing is just incredible. There's, there's almost thing, just nothing you can't do with cell phones these days. You could tweet, you could Instagram, you could Facebook, you could do all that stuff. In fact, I even have it hooked up to my computer. So if, if I'm out somewhere, and this has happened before, they... Uh, Pastor Dave, um, would you say a few words on this, and uh, would you preach? I, I even am able to get to all my old sermons and go, yeah, let me just pull something up right here and, and, and find something. And then over here, I have a lamp. It does none of that cool stuff. 
I've never ordered a cup of coffee using my lamp. I've never taken a high-resolution photo with it. I've never tweeted using my lamp. I've never done any of this fun stuff with a lamp. The difference is this. In order for my lamp to be used for its purpose, it has to stay plugged in to its power source. If it's not plugged into its power source, then it's basically just a decoration or a paperweight. It's, it's, it's totally useless. It is not used for its purpose. That was dust that just came off my lamp, if any of you saw that. All right, this is from the bottom, though, okay? You know, we don't lift our lamps up and dust the bottom. So it's totally not used for its purpose. Well, as this one... You could just charge the batteries and use it for its purpose, right? You could, but if I'm gone all day and I'm like, sometimes I've got to go to San Diego. Uh, tomorrow I've got some theological meetings with some uh, Korean friends of, of mine and helping them to, to understand Wesleyan theology and get them ordained in the Wesleyan church, all that good stuff. And, and, and so, you know, I'll use it for navigation. I'll figure out how to get to where I'm going. And then sometimes towards the end of the day, you get the low power mode that comes on. And then if you're really struggling, your phone just dies on you, right? But every day, the difference between my lamp and my phone is that every day I got to go back and plug it in at night and let it charge all night long. And, and then that way, the next day I could use it for its purpose. But the only way to use it for its purpose if it's, is if it gets recharged. So many of us act like this cell phone rather than the lamp. We act like this cell phone. We go, okay, God. I'm going to come to church, I'm going to sing worship, I'm going to plug in for, for an hour and a few minutes, and, and if Pastor Dave's sermon's longer than maybe an hour and a half, I'm going to just plug in and, and get you, God, and then I'm going to go out and live my life and all that stuff, and then by the end of the week, our phones are dead. And sometimes we miss a couple of weeks, and if we, if we treat our spiritual life like a cell phone, if we treat our life with God like a cell phone, then we're always going to come up with our batteries empty. We're always going to come up short. We're always going to feel like, oh, I'm sluggish. Always going to feel like, oh, I don't feel very connected to God right now. We're always going to feel like we're not worshiping. And you know what? Inevitably, when these things die, you're far from a power source, right? Does anybody have a cable I could plug in? Does anybody have an iPhone cable? I just need to plug in my phone. But this, when we treat our spiritual lives like a lamp, we never run out of power. Because the only way for this thing to work is to be plugged in to its power source. That's it. The only way. Now, it's less sexy than a phone. It doesn't do as much cool stuff. But the only way for this to work is if it's plugged in to its power source. I'm going to keep using this analogy, so I'm going to re-plug that back in. Right there. So flip with me now, if, if you're not already there, to John 15. I'm going to get into verses 1 through 8 right now. It says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you could do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burned. 
If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Do you get what Jesus is saying here? He's saying you have a power source. Why do you treat it like a cell phone? You have this power source in the Father and in the Son and the Holy Spirit, and, and you've got to remain in me. And, and if you remain in me, you'll always be used for your purpose. You'll always be connected to the vine. But if you don't remain in me, then you might wither, and, and you might you know, just start to lose your power a little bit, and then you're useless. You're thrown away. This is what Jesus is talking about, and this is the reason why I go back to this analogy, because it's so powerful. You have to stay connected to your source of power. This is Jesus' last I am statement in the book of John. He, he uses these I am statements to show really big things. They, and let me go over a few of them. It says, I am the bread of life in chapter 6. And he wanted them to know that, that just, as in, just as in the desert when the Israelites received manna from God, I am the new bread of life. I am your new manna. Feast on me. I am the light of the world. On the festival where they celebrated God's light, Jesus declared that he is the true light. I am the good shepherd and I am the door. This is a time where the shepherds of Israel were being looked at and saying, are our shepherds up to snuff? Or are they just like they were at Hanukkah when we had bad shepherds and they led us astray and they wanted to look too much like the world? Who, who are our shepherds? Are we following the good shepherd? And Jesus said, I am that good shepherd. And then when his friend Lazarus died, Jesus raised him to life again and said, I am the resurrection and the life. Showing that the book of Ezekiel wasn't just fancy words and cool stories, but that it actually came true in Jesus. And then last week we looked at Jesus' huge statement that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus here reminds us that there is no other way. Just as Israel had tried to, to, to pave other paths to God, just as Israel ha- had thrown away their altars and replaced them for altars of Baal and other gods and Ash- Ashereth poles and other things like that, Jesus said, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now Jesus is using another Old Testament analogy because he really wants people to get who he is. So he uses these analogies from their history to say, listen, I am the vine. You have to to stay connected to me. There's this psalm, Psalm 80, that, that will be up on the screens. And I, and I want you to see this because the, the imagery of the vine is so powerful in the Jewish mind. In fact, there was a golden vine that was written about that was in the temple. And, and they use that as an analogy to show that they were God's people and people on God's vine and all this stuff. So there was this, uh, the vine is so powerful. Psalm 80, verses 8 through 9 says, You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You, cre- you cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. He's talking about the nation of Israel as a vine for God. Did you see what is being said here? Israel is a vine. It took root and it filled the land. When you jump down to verse 15 through 18, one of the things that's talked about in this psalm is that how these vines get wiped out, essentially. And how Israel kind of chose a different path, and therefore we're, we're sort of wiped out. Psalm 50, 80, 15-18 says this, The root of your right hand has planted the sun you have raised up for yourself. That's interesting imagery, right? This is thousands of years before Jesus was ever alive. 
The root of your the root of your right hand has planted the sun. You've raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down, is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us, and we will call on your name. Does that psalm sound messianic at all? Yes, right? It's talking about Jesus. That psalm, thousands of years before Jesus was ever born, is talking about how God is going to plant a new vine and it will be his son. And now Jesus is before his disciples saying, I am the true vine. You get what's happening here. This is powerful stuff. And what does he tell us to do? He tells us to remain. And I, I like actually the old word abide. I think it paints such a more vivid picture. It, it kind of means the same thing, but he says, abide in me. Abide, it, it, what does it mean to abide? Abide is, is essentially this. This can't leave. It has to stay connected to the power. Therefore, it is abiding with its power source. This abides only for a time as it stays connected. And then as you leave and go about your day, it, it stops abiding with the power source. That's the difference here. Abide is this deep sense of building your home with somebody. When you get married, you abide with each other because you build your home with one another and the two lives become one. That's what it means to abide. Some of you know exactly what this means. Maybe you've been married for years and, and you're like my wife and I, where like somebody could ask me something and, I, and I'll say this all the time. Well, let me check with Desiree. I pretty much know what she's going to say but sometimes she surprises me, but I pretty much know what she's going to say because we've abided with each other so long that her brain is like hardwired into my brain and my brain's like kind of hardwired into her brain and that's kind of what it means for the two to become one. And what Jesus is saying is you need to abide with your source of power so that what's on God's mind will become what's on your mind. So that what God's will is will become what you want anyways. That's why you need to abide with the Father. So then, sorry, my iPad just went crazy. There we go. That's the, the non-perks of using technology to preach. Sometimes your page scrolls all the way to the wrong page. Um, and then John uh, 15, 7 through 8. Oh, no, actually, this is what I missed because it's scrolling. I'm sorry about that. It says that when you produce fruit, He'll prune you so that more fruit can produce. Many of you understand and know through gardening that when you prune something, it's a good thing. You cut something off so that more will grow. And what Jesus is saying is that, yeah, you're going to get, something will get cut off so that more can happen. It strikes me that on the cell phone, there's a 10 trillion things you could do. There's endless apps that you could do. You could even control your whole house, your thermostat, your lights in some scenarios, all through your phone. But a lamp only gives light. That's all it does. And, and it's like, I'm constantly going to cut off stuff that's getting in the way so that you could be more fruitful. And sometimes pruning hurts, right? Sometimes, any of you ever lose a job and you're like, oh, that was the worst thing in the world and it ends up being the best thing for you? Or you get out of a relationship and you're like, oh, that was the worst thing in the world but it ends up being the greatest thing for you? There's so many times where pruning feels like it hurts at the time, and yet it turns out to be the best thing for us. Because of, it's true what Scripture says, that, that God works all things for the good of those who love Him. 
So pruning sometimes hurts, but it's for our benefit. In fact, John 15 tells us, Jesus tells us, the way you produce more fruit is by pruning. And you're never closer to the hand of God than when you're being pruned, right? He's got to clip off that stuff that's not producing. Verses 7 through 8. If you remain in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I Constantly, this is the third time now, Jesus continually says, right after he raises Lazarus from the dead, he's continually saying, ask me for whatever, and I'll give it to you. If you remain in me, if you're like this lamb, then, then ask me for whatever you want. And, and I'll give it to you. Some of you are like this phone, and you're like, man, why aren't my prayers getting answered? Why? Oh, I keep praying for this. And, but you're far from your power source. And you're like, God, I just want you to do this. Come close to the power source. See, the, the difference is this. When you're close to the power source, you're being molded and formed by it. Your desires, your will, begins to be what God has for you. The kingdom of God. You begin to desire the kingdom of God in your life. And therefore, the things that you pray start to change. Maybe you're praying for salvations. Maybe you're praying for, for lives to change. Maybe you're praying for the poor, the needy. The, maybe you're praying for the church to multiply and new churches to be planted. I don't know what you're praying for, but maybe it's on God's agenda now, not your own agenda, because God wants to mold you and form you. And so the things you're praying for are near to God's heart when you're connected to the power source. Sometimes we pray things that are not the best thing for us. We're like, God, why, are these, why isn't this getting answered? And like, would you agree that God's ways are not your ways and that God's mind is not your mind and that he knows so much more than we know? And sometimes what we think is the best thing for us is not at all the best thing for us. And so sometimes we pray things and God knows what the best thing is for us and what isn't the best thing for us. Verses 9 through 17. As the Father has loved, you, loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Actually, before I keep reading on, I want to read that sentence one more time. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So did you get that? The, to the extent that the Father loves Jesus, so does Jesus love his disciples. To the extent that the Father loves Jesus, so does Jesus love his disciples. Do you get that? That to the very same extent that he is loved by God, he loves you. Maybe some of you don't hear anything else today and you just hear that, and that's a good thing. That you just hear that because it sometimes is hard for us to grasp, and I think this is why the Apostle Paul prays for the church, and his main prayer for the church is that they would grasp how deep, how wide, how far God's love is for them, that they would just be able to to fathom that. As As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Sit and bask in his love for a minute. Maybe some of you don't practice Sabbath, resting. And there's some people who are really militant about it. Oh, it needs to happen on Saturdays. It needs to happen on this day. I, I simply say, when you're free, spend alone time with God and schedule it. So if you know you're going to have Fridays off, I've got Fridays off, I spend some alone time with God. And I try and simply sit by the vine and just hear from God. I make it a daily practice. It, it is t- tough sometimes. Sometimes 
kids are up all night and you look at your Bible and there's just like the words are all jumbled. And I don't know if any of you else are like that, but if I stay up all night, I'm no good the next day. But do you take time to sit in it and bask in it and abide and remain in God's love? All right, now we can move on. Verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy Uh, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one other than this, to lay down one's lives for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, no longer will I call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask for my Father, in the name of my Father, or I'm sorry, whatever you ask for in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So Jesus tells us a few things here. One, he loves us the same way the Father loves him. But in that, proximity matters, doesn't it? He, Jesus keeps on telling us over and over and over again, abide in me. He's telling you proximity matters. Where you're at in your life, whether you're a lamp or a cell phone, it matters. If you stay plugged into your power source, abiding is going to be real easy and joyful. You're going to love it. But if you're always treating your spiritual life like a cell phone, like coming and getting plugged in and bailing, coming and getting plugged in and then bailing, you're always going to feel like you're not near to God or that you're near to God some days but not near to God in other days. And it's just going to be rough for you. Proximity matters. And then he says, your joy will be made complete. My joy will be in you. A few weeks ago, we talked about happiness and what that looks like. Actually, I think that was last week. But Jesus wants to give us something better than happiness. He wants to give us joy. And he says, your joy will be made complete. And I think here's the difference with that. And, and when, you're, when you're acting like a cell phone, then you don't have, you, you have intermittent times where God's joy can, can get into your life. Because you're choosing not to be near the power source. But when you act like a lamp, God's, you begin to see things through God's eyes. And then you get to a point in your life where you don't need anything. I think true joy has something to do with material things. And that you don't need any of those material things when you have true joys. Because Jesus is enough. When Jesus is enough for you, then you won't be so concerned with a whole bunch of other things that the world is concerned about. Your joy will be made complete when Jesus is enough. Two, he calls us friends. I, I just want you to see for a second how rare this is in world religion. If you were to take all the world religions and lay them out and find anywhere where God or a deity calls a human a friend, the only two places you would find that is in Judaism and Christianity. One is in Abraham. God calls it to Abraham. He calls him friend. And two, here, Jesus calls us and his disciples friends. I lay my life down for you. You are now my friends. You are no longer my servants. You're my friends. They've completed that process of discipleship, and they're moved on now to friend status. I love that. 
There's only two, two religions in the whole wide world where God calls humans friend. And it's all found in the Christian scriptures. Number three, this is my command. Love each other. Love each other. This is the biggest um, source of people not coming to Christ. This is the biggest source of people not coming to Christ is because of the belief that Christians eat their own. Right? You watch on the news and Christians bashing Christians. And, and the, the last thing I ever... Well, I don't know if I'm going to say that. But anyways, <laughs> the last thing I ever want to do is, is bash any other Christians on stage or in, per, in private or anything like that. Never want to do that. Jesus says, love each other. This is how the world's going to know. How will the world know about Jesus? It's that, that we love each other. We might disagree with each other, and we might both be right. We might disagree with each other, but love each other. Disagreements are going to come up all the time. Let me give you an example. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is just livid mad with this church. Just so much fun to read this book because I just imagine Paul throwing things as he's writing this book. It's like he writes something and throws his ink well. He's just so mad. I, I, I don't know if that really happened. It's just something I make up in my mind. But he's talking to the church, and there was these lawsuits among these two believers and he's urging them to come to some sort of agreement because the lawsuit isn't just within the church. It actually moves to the secular courts. And what Paul says is really astounding. He says, I cannot believe that you would let it get this far. This is my translation. And then he says this. This is, this is the Bible. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be wronged than to show the world that you don't love each other? Why not rather be wronged? Wow, that is hard to live out. How many of you have a hard time being wronged? Come on, come on, I'm raising my hand. Yeah, we have a hard time being wronged. We, it is so difficult because you have a strong sense of justice if you have a hard time being wronged. You're like, no, i got to make this right, and so I'm going to do that. And, and then to let somebody just wrong you and say, well, instead of the whole world hearing about this, I'm just going to let it go. Oh, I, I, that's like, like an explosion boiling up within me. I got I to gotta do something. But Paul says, why not rather be wronged than to show the whole world that you don't agree with each other? Why not rather be wronged? Ouch, right? Ouch. So three points. He loves us the way the Father loves him. He calls us friends and love each other. And I want to get through this last section just so that next week I can start on chapter 16 and really be done. So I'm going to speed through this last section if you'll indulge me for one more second. Uh, it's, it's chapter 15, verses 18 through 16, 4. And, and again, this is sort of like the overlap scripture. We're going to talk about this more next week too. So don't think like, oh, what did he, what, he didn't talk about this, he didn't talk about that. I'm, I'm going to talk about it more next week. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If, it belonged to the, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. As servants, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent them. If I had not come and spoken to them... 
they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates the Father as well. If I had done, if I had done, I'm sorry, if I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But as it is, they have seen. And yet, they have hated both me and my Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in the law. They hated me without reason. When the Advocate comes, and we're going to hit a lot more on this next week. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify that you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they, ha- they have not known the Father or me. I have told you about this. So when the, their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. So I wanted to hit you on this. I want to hit this part because I wanted to start introducing the idea of the Holy Spirit. I know I don't need to introduce it here. We talk about the Holy Spirit all the time. But I, I wanted it in, in the book of John, Jesus keeps talking about it, and then now he directly talks about the advocate is coming. The, the, the Father will send us an advocate. And one of the things I wanted to point out, and then we're going to wrap this up here, is this. Remember how I always talk about John wrote the book of Revelation first and then the book of John? Well, in the book of Revelation, we talked extensively about there is an accuser in the book of Revelation who goes before the throne and accuses us and slanders us both day and night. If you're in Jesus, that's what Satan is doing. He's accusing us before the Father. Well, the Father sends an advocate. And I love that that they're almost juxtaposed on the two books together. But while we're accused, God gives us an advocate. And we're going to talk so much more about that next week. But what I really want to end with today is the question of what would it look like in our world if two billion people started really just loving each other? Just two billion people. These are all the amount of Christians that are supposed to be in the world. That's an estimate. Two billion people started really loving each other. What would happen what kind of testimony would that bring? What, what would happen if two billion people, because the reality is there's two billion Christians reported on the earth, but how many of them live like a lamp and how many of them live like a cell phone? What would happen if just our church said, for us, we're going to live like this lamp? Nothing special. We're just going to be connected to our power source. And in that way, we're going to be formed by our power source. And in that way, we're going to do what the source of power wants us to do, the Father. What would happen if two billion people started living like that? I want to close in a word of prayer, and maybe you're here today, and, and, and for you it's like, man, I've been acting like this self, and, and I need to really act like that lamp, and so things need to change in my life. Well, in the next few weeks, my wife and I are going to start a new discipleship group, and maybe that's something that you're interested in jumping into. And I just want you to either, uh, well, actually, I I need that on paper, because I need to, I'll forget if you come up and tell me. So feel free to come up and tell me, but no, I'm going to forget. And I need you to write that down on the the bulletin insert, and during the offering, drop that in. Let me know if that's something you're interested in. But maybe you're acting like this cell phone, and, and you just need to get plugged back in, and you need to stay there. I just want to pray for you today. 
maybe the way that's looked for you is like you continually ask God for forgiveness and to start a new relationship over and over and over and over again. And really what you, you don't need is a pardon for your sin. You need a miracle. You need God to step into your life and say, come, stay connected to me. Let's pray. Father God, we act like cell phones at times. We, we get disconnected to you, Lord. We confess our need to abide in your great love and in your great power. And yet, God, in practicality and reality, we have a very difficult time doing that. And in practicality and reality, so many times we unplug and, and we run our own batteries, we run our own power, but God, you know where that leads us, that we always fall short doing it that way. Over and over and over again, we fall short. So Father, I pray that you would help us, that you would wean us off our own power and onto yours, that you would help us to repent of trying to do it our way and start living life your way. And maybe there's no one here today, or there's, pe- there's people here today who just never started a relationship with you. Lord, we pray that you would speak into those people's lives. You would simply say, come join me on the vine. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.